Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We are uh, starting a new series today. And it's called Live It. And you know, if you've been coming to Life Fellowship very long, you know that we've trademarked that, that term, live it. And what live it means is let's live what we say we believe. Let's just live this thing out. If we say we're Christians, then our actions should show that we are a follower, that we are a disciple of Christ. And it means to just simply go out and live it. <laughs> All right. So this morning... It's kind of an intro. I wanted to lay some background. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, this new series before we actually get into it. We're going to be going through the book of James. It's not very often that, that we'll take a book of the Bible, a letter, and go through it line by line and verse by verse. But I really felt like the Lord was, was leading me to do this. So we'll be starting that really next week. But I love the book of James because James is a a practical application of the Word of God. And James was writing to early believers, and he was a leader in the church, and he was saying that, uh, or he was teaching that we need to be, become mature believers. And there's so much confusion, there's so much compromise that we see in the body of Christ and in the lives of, of people that say they're Christian that uh, I think it's really, really vital for today that we grow and mature in our relationship. So I want to give a little bit of background. John 3.16, you know it, you know the scripture. You've seen the signs at the football games where it says John 3.16. <laughs> and basically it says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think the NLT version is different, <laughs> but that's the one I've memorized it in. I've memorized scripture in the, the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the NLT, the NASB, so sometimes I get them a little confused, but basically they, they all say the same thing. But Jesus came so he could restore our relationship back to God, and, and I know you know that, but uh, my first point this morning is Jesus desires for us to engage in an authentic, honest, and intimate relationship with him. And if you've been coming here very long, you know that that is our mission, really, to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So we're always going to be talking about that because I think that is the critical thing that Jesus came to do was to bring us back into that broken relationship with him. But I also love John 3.17. We hear John 3.16 all the time, but John 3.17 is a powerful scripture as well. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, through Jesus and we know that when we look at Scripture, God has very clearly set boundaries. He said, stay within these boundaries and you will be blessed. Stay within these boundaries and it's good. When we step out of that boundary, when we step out of those boundaries, that's when we step into sin and I step out of the camera maybe. I see John making an adjustment back there. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's like stepping out of the camera, uh, you know. But uh, G God has set these boundaries for us not to uh, restrict or hinder us, but for our own good. You wouldn't give your, your child three, three pounds of jelly beans and say, yeah, eat them all if you want. <laughs> they would be sick, right? And so Jesus came not to judge the world, the, the word, 
has already set in place what's right and what's wrong. The challenge is for us to live that thing out, right? And so when you come here on Sunday morning, when you come on, uh, a, to a life group, we're going to be teaching the Word so that we're equipped, so that we know the Word, so that we can tell the truth from the false. And uh, God sent His Son into the world so that we could have a relationship with Him. Uh, after the Last Supper, Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm leaving to go prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, well, we have no idea where you're going, Lord. How will we know where to go if we don't know where you're going? And so this is what Jesus tells him. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Not through Muhammad, not through Buddha, not through 44,000 Hindu gods. It's only through Christ. And as I was considering this message, I thought, you know, I've had people ask me, well, what about the pygmy in the bush? What about those that have never heard about Jesus? Well, I don't know. I don't know about them. Well, what about you? Have you received Christ? You know, I'm, I'm, it's not up to me to save the pygmy in the bush or get the gospel to every person in the world. That's God's deal. And, and, you know, I don't know how he handles that. But I know when we have the opportunity, what are we doing with that? Are we receiving Christ or are we rejecting him? There's really only two options here. You either receive him or you don't receive him. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And living here in the Western world, we hear the gospel all the time. We're fortunate that, I mean, we're saturated. The radio is saturated, uh, YouTube. Every, uh, real, really, I guess the world has access to the gospel of Christ because everybody has technology, most everyone. And so what are we choosing to do? And when someone asks us those questions, which they may ask you from time to time, then you can just simply say, well, what about you? Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me talk to you about an authentic relationship. Not, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about you know, all this other stuff. I'm talking about a relationship. And there are people in your life that need to know what a real relationship with Jesus looks like. And that requires some maturity, some spiritual maturity. That requires us to know the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of truth so that we can share the truth with those that don't know. John 14, 7 uh, Jesus goes on to say, If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. He's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I love the, the as, as you read through this, this passage, Philip goes, well, well, just show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is like, Philip, Philip, have I been with you all this time, and you still don't know? I just told you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I love the, 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 just the, the transparency and the honesty <laughs> of the disciples because they're asking questions, and we see it as, well, that's, that was a stupid question, but those are some of the questions we would have maybe asked or some of the things that we would have considered. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's only one way to heaven. It's through me. And Jesus and the Father are one. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about the good shepherd. He, he talks about sheep. He, Jesus was talking about things that they could relate to because they were shepherds or they were farmers or, or whatever. And so a lot of the parables and the stories he told related to something that they could relate to. We're referred to as sheep. 
I'm not quite sure if that's because sheep are not the brightest animals in the world or what, but the Lord refers to us as sheep many times. And he says in John 10, 9 and 10, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And so the Lord leads us to the green pastures. And that's why the, one of the reasons the local church is so important, that you have shepherds, under shepherds, under Christ, that are leading the flock, that are leading the congregation, that are feeding them. My goal is to lead and feed. And so I want to make sure that you're getting fed good food. I don't know what sheep eat, alpha and all kinds of different grass, but we want to make sure you're eating well. And so that's why you're always going to get the Word of God, to feed us so that we can grow in our relationship. And then John 9 continues, they will, oh, I already read this, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. John 10, 10, you know this, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who's he talking about them? He's talking about his sheep. He's talking about the ones that come into the pasture, that come into him. And we know that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And, uh, but Jesus came that we would have abundant life. So, my first point is Jesus desires for us to engage in an authentic, honest, intimate relationship with him. My second point this morning is Jesus wants us to grow and mature in our relationship with him. So we, it's not about just coming into this relationship, but it's about allow, allowing him to transform our hearts and our lives and that we would grow and become more mature in him. And I've read this passage of Scripture uh, recently a couple of times, but I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. The writer of Hebrews says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Do we need to continue to go over that again, that we need to repent, that we need to come into this relationship with God? We shouldn't need, as Christians, we shouldn't need to continue to go over and over those things again. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We need to have an understanding of those things, and so that's why we're teaching you the Word of God. We, we spent a lot of time the last few weeks talking about three different baptisms. Last week, we had water baptisms. And uh, I, I want to thank also the Spice of Life team and everybody that contributed. We had a, a great time. Uh, the Spice of Life team, they, they bam, knocked it out of the park with all the, all, the, all the barbecue, and you guys brought great sides, and, and then kind of the, the highlight for me was the baptism, getting, seeing people get water baptized. But we talk, we've been talking about water baptisms. We've been talking about uh, ba being baptized into the, Holy, uh, into the body of Christ, right? When we come into this relationship with the Lord, we're baptized into the body of Christ. And we talked about this a lot, so I don't want to spend a lot of time here. But who baptizes us into the body of Christ? The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Who baptizes us in water? Uh, a man, a person, a disciple. The results are that it's, an, it's a uh, uh, demonstration of a changed life. And then uh, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? It's Jesus. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that empowers us and enables us to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give. So if you missed some of those uh, sermons, go back and podcast those or watch those online if you would. 
Hebrews 6.3 continues. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. The writer is saying, let's move past these basic fundamental things and let's move on to more in-depth understanding. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Paul teaching on spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14.20, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. What is he talking about? He has just been talking about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, he's been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then you know in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13 is the, the chapter on love, which is sandwiched between the gifts. The gifts are important, but the most important thing is the love of God, that we have this relationship with him and that we love him and we love one another. That's a supernatural thing that God does. And I've challenged us all before many times to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to love others like you love them. To love others like you love me. And that is a supernatural thing that God will do in our hearts and lives when we sincerely seek him and say, God, I want to love like you. Help me to not be so judgmental and condemning or whatever that may be. But help me to see your grace and your mercy for me. And help me to be gracious and merciful to other people as well. Give me a heart of love and compassion. And God will do those kinds of things. And you'll find yourself loving people in a way that you didn't love people before. Maybe maybe letting some knucklehead get in front of you on 45 when they could have gotten in line way back there. <laughs> I'm just being real, y'all. Come on. Uh, so uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding about these things. In other words, be mature. Let, can, we, can we take some stuff? And what's he talking about here? He's talking about what he's been talking about Prior to verse 20, speaking in tongues, he's been talking about prophecy, understanding the desired results of the gifts and the correct application of the gifts. And so we've been talking about those over the past few months. Uh, what is the proper application? Because that's, that's where maturity comes in. That's where sensitivity to the Holy Spirit comes in, that we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because we've seen, maybe you've seen, uh, people that have giftings from the Lord, but they abuse them, or they misuse them, or they apply them incorrectly. And so Paul is saying, and, and really the Bible is saying, be mature in your understanding of these things. Don't be childish. He goes on to say, be innocent as babes when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. So he's saying, Re reject evil. Stay away from evil. Be innocent when it comes to evil. You know, a child doesn't necessarily, they're, they're innocent because they don't know. And, and so we need to, if we know it's wrong, the, the Bible says if, if we know it's wrong and we continue to do it, it's sin. I mean, it's, it's straight up. If you don't know, well, you don't know. But we need to, to know the Word of God. We need to make rightful choices. We need to make godly choices. And I'm not talking about um, performance-based grace. I'm talking about grace that, that the Lord gives to us. We, we, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we're saved by grace through faith, not of our works. But, but yet if we're saved, 
there should be a demonstration. People should be able to tell that we're Christian, right? And, and so Paul is saying, be as innocent as babes when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. And uh, so, again, we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, number of weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual maturity. We're going to be looking at the Word of God and how we can become spiritually mature. What, how can we apply the Word of God to our daily life? I want to read our core scripture. Many of you know it. I'm going to read a little beyond that. Actually, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 is our core scripture, but I'm going to read a little past that. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to do what? To equip God's people to come into such unity in our faith. And uh, wait, did I get ahead of myself? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So that is the, the role of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is to build up the church so that the body of Christ can do his work because God has gifted every one of you. God has called you. God has given you a, a sphere of influence that nobody else has. And so he wants to work through our lives to share the hope and the love of Christ with others. And so their responsibility is to equip. And so we're, we're deliberately, intentionally attempting to equip you through Sunday morning and through life groups so that you can make a difference in the world as you go out and live it. <laughs> All right. That's great. Okay. Let's read on in verse 13. This will continue. What will continue? The equipping of the saints. We're always going to continue to be equipped, right, as we grow in our relationship. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature in the Lord. That's the target. I mean, the target is our relationship with Jesus. But the, uh, the uh, fruit of that is that we become mature believers, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's amazing to me. Um, I know people that have been Christians for decades, walking with the Lord for decades, but yet still struggle with basic fundamental truths of the Word of God. And, and sometimes it could be that people aren't taught the Word of God. But many times it's because people reject the Word of God. For instance, I know people that have been walking with the Lord for, for decades and refuse to tithe, re return the first 10% of their increase to the Lord that belongs to Him. And, and I'm like, I don't understand. They have been taught this. They know this. But yet, they refuse. And the, the sad thing is, is this is not a prosperity message. This is, you know, we don't give to get. But I'm just using this as an example. When we honor Him and, and obey Him, he promises to supernaturally, supernaturally bless us. Why wouldn't we want to see people supernaturally blessed? Why wouldn't we want to see Christians receiving everything that the Lord has for them? I see people that are rejecting the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, well, you know, uh, Jesus is okay, but I, I don't want any of that Holy Spirit thing. What? The Holy Spirit empowers us to live this abundant life. Jesus said, I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. And yet there are Christians that are rejecting the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just cra it's craziness. 
The Lord wants to bless us. So my first point is Jesus desires for us to engage in an authentic, honest, intimate relationship with him. My second point is Jesus wants, wants us to grow and mature in our relationship with him. My third point is as our relationship with Jesus grows, we deepen our spiritual growth and maturity. Jesus spent three, three and a half years with his disciples training them and equipping them and preparing them, helping them to grow into maturity. We had, they had that demonstration of Jesus seeing him hands-on involved in ministry. And then he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the things that you've seen me do, you will be able to do. It's the same for us today. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have example after example. We have the Word that tells us, hey, go. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you. Know that I'll be with you to the ends of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20. Jesus said, go. I've empowered you. I've enabled you. Get some spiritual maturity where you can go out and, and do something and make a difference in the world. Don't just be a baby Christian sucking on a bottle all of your life. Come on. We need to be able to eat some meat. We need to be able to share the love of Christ. We need to be able to go through some things. We need to be able to take something. We, we know that there's a spiritual battle around us. Are we pushing back the darkness? Are we lighting up the kingdom of God? Are we bringing the hope and the love of Christ to others? Or, or are we so self-centered and immature that we can't do anything, that we can't make a difference because, oh, I'm offended. Somebody said something to me. Or I don't like the way she talked to me. I don't like the way he looked at me. Get over yourself. Come on. Amen. <laughs> All right. Let's read on. Uh, Ephesians 4.14, then we will no longer be immature like children. When we come into this relationship, when we yield to him, and when we allow God to do this work in our hearts and lives, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Oh, yeah, you know, this is the big thing now, or this is... No, the big thing is the Word of God. This is the big thing right here. And, you know, God, I heard this recently. I thought it was really good. God is not interested in building big churches. God's interested in building big people. <laughs> Amen? And so he wants us to, to be able to grow and mature and handle the things that, that, that are coming across our path. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching because we know the truth. When they're training people in the bank what real money is like, they don't go through and say, okay, well, this is counterfeit, this is counterfeit. They don't show them all the counterfeit stuff. They show them the, the real money. And that way, when they see counterfeit, they're like, oh, this, this doesn't feel right, doesn't look right. And so we need to know the word of truth. Because then when the false, uh, you know, religions come or whatever, we're like, uh, no, that doesn't line up with the word of God. But if we don't know the truth, how are we going to know? 
So we need to know the real thing, the, the genuine uh, truth. Ephesians 4.14 continues, We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Have you ever been sold a bill of goods? Somebody tells you something, oh, man, this is this new product here. This will, you know, make you look good and help you lose weight and uh, you'll have more money. And, you know, I mean, we need to know the truth and not be blown away. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that happens in the church today is, is people's uh, emotions are appealed to and, and their uh, uh, you know, they, they want the blessings. They, they want to be blessed, but they don't want to have to change anything. They don't want to allow God to change their heart. And, uh, you know, Jesus has come to set us free, not be bound up by material things or, or you know, money or any of that kind of stuff. We need money, yes. We need financial uh, blessings. But God has promised. He said, look, if you'll just follow me, I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. The sparrows, they don't worry about what they're going to eat. And, and so God has called us to live this abundant life, but we can't do it on our own. We need his help. So we yield to him and we say, Lord, God, help me. Let me just follow you. Let me focus on you. Let me stay connected with you. And I'll let you worry about the pygmy in the bush and, and all these other things that I don't have any control over that I can't do anything about. All I can do all I can do is yield to you and allow you to work in my heart and life. And then I can go and I can pray for those loved ones. I can go and pray for my neighbors and ask you to, to touch their hearts and lives. And when the opportunity comes, I can share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with them or whoever. Help me. Prepare me. Help me to be mature. Help me to understand the Word of God. Lord God, help me to have sensitivity to your Holy Spirit so that I'll know how to address the situation when my neighbor comes and has, has a question for me. More importantly, Lord, would you fill me to overflowing with love so that when I come in contact with people, they feel and they experience the love of God because I'm so filled with your love and your presence. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And then here are the results in Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. We will be filled with love. We will be speaking love, speaking truth in love. You know, sometimes... We need to have those conversations that are a little tough because we love someone. It, it, listen, if I was running around with a needle in my arm, I would hope someone would love me enough to say, hey, stop it. You need, you need some help. Let me help you. Love is not, oh, well, you know, that's not my problem. You got an issue, well, you know, you better do something about it. Do we really love one another enough to, to confront one another when we need some some confronting in love with grace. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Christ said, this is, is the plan for you. This is the plan for my body. I need my finger, my thumb, my big toe. I need my left ear working right. I need, I need you listening. 
I need you watching and listening and following me. He goes on to write here in verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The last series was two weeks. It was talking about community and how that God has placed us all together, that we work together, and that when you're not here, we're missing part of our body. When you're not here, you're missing some of your body because we're, we're fit together perfectly, Paul writes. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Aren't we grateful for the Spice of Life team that they can cook so well? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and our role is we get to be the mouth and the stomach and we get to eat that part. So, you know, we're working together here. Um, so as we grow, we work together, and we are a model for the world to witness and see the body of Christ. When we're working together, when we're working in tandem, when we're working in, in unity, and, and we define unity as, as oneness, when we're working together as the body of Christ, led by the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with love, so that God is working through our hearts and lives, and we are making a difference. There are people in our lives that, that need to see that. They need to see the demonstration of real Christians that really go out and live this thing out. Last week, or the week before last, we talked about community from the combination of two Latin words, cam, which means together, and munis, which means serve. So community is serving together. And that was demonstrated last week as everyone was preparing for the, the fifth Sunday and the barbecue and the baptisms and cleaning up before and after and getting everything ready, bringing the side dishes. That's what community is, where we're working together, serving together. Life groups, we have host homes and we have facilitators that are, are giving the Word of God, that are, are equipping and training. Again, we're working together. When we come here on Sunday morning, you know, Dan and Cydia have graciously opened up their venue, but there's a lot of work that goes on. Um, the tech arts team setting everything up, and, you know, Cliff and, and Karen and everybody putting the chairs together and, and then afterwards tearing down. Yeah, so this is community. This is working together. Ephesians 4.16 continues, As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We have the opportunity every Sunday to, to help one another grow in love. We have the opportunity to example to others of what servanthood is, looks like and how selfless we can be in serving one another and, and serving the Lord. Jesus explains the parable of the four types of soil in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And so I'm not going to read this whole passage, but I just want to read a few scriptures here. In Luke 8, 14, Jesus says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by... When you share the message with someone, what... Do you sometimes see that the message, the good news of Christ, is crowded out by things? Well, it's Friday night, time to party, it's, uh, you know, I've got to work 80 hours a week, or, you know, whatever it may be. Let's read on. It's crowded out by the message, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. 
But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches of, and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Maturity requires a commitment to him. Again, I'm not talking about getting all legalistic and ritualistic and religious. I'm talking about relational. You wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, get a degree from a university without some commitment. It's going to require something. But, you know, the real benefit is that we, we have this experience with the Lord that changes our lives. We get to impact the lives of our, our spouses and, and our children and the people around us and get to see them come into this relationship, see them get to grow. You know, there's always going to be baby Christians, and that's okay. Because at one time, we were a baby Christian. But the Lord doesn't want us to stay there. He wants, to, he wants us to grow up and mature. If you saw a 30-year-old man still wearing a diaper, you, either they've got a medical problem or a mental problem or something, that's not normal. So if we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, shouldn't there be some maturity, spiritual maturity? Shouldn't there be some growth? Shouldn't there be some fruit? Shouldn't there be some proof? 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing again. I close my letter with these last words. He's writing to the early church in Corinth, and he's saying, I'm closing these, this letter with these words, and they're important. He says, be joyful. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's saying, be joyful. How can you be joyful in the midst of chaos and trouble? Well, I think it's only through the Lord that we have his peace, that we have released the stuff to him and say, Lord God, I'm going to do all that I can do, but I'm turning everything else over to you because there's nothing that I can do about some of these things. He says, be joyful. He, he goes on to say, grow to maturity. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. Grow up. <laughs> so he says, grow to maturity. And then what does he say? After that, he says, encourage one another. <gasps> encourage one another. He's closing out this letter, and he's saying, be full of joy. Be mature. Encourage one another. Live in harmony and peace. Stop fighting over these petty things. Love one another enough to acquiesce sometimes. No, I don't, I don't want to go eat at that restaurant, but you love it, so let's go eat. I'll find something to eat. I may just have water and lemon today. You know, we could all, probably all fast a little bit every once in a while. But live in harmony and peace. Come on. We're supposed to be the body of Christ. If, our, if my finger's rebelling, I'm going to tell it to get in line. Get in line. Do what it's supposed to do. So let's live in harmony and peace. Then, okay, the results of that are then the God of love and peace will be with you. Jesus desires for us to engage in an authentic, honest, intimate, real, personal relationship with Him. Jesus wants us to grow up and mature in our relationship with Him and with one another too. 
As our relationship with Jesus grows, we deepen our spiritual growth and maturity. We can take a little more heat. We can uh, love people enough to, to minister to those cactus people that are hard to deal with because it's not all about us and my feelings and, you know, getting all hurt. But like we've talked about before, so many times those cactus people really want somebody just to love them. I found that those people are so hurting and wounded that, that is, they, they feel like they're going to be rejected, so they just want to be rejected and not, not, not have any contact with anybody. But what they really want and what they really need is love. They need Jesus in their heart and life. They may need you to come up and just give them a hug, even when they're not acting like they, they deserve one. That's when we really need to be mature and reach out and share the hope and the love of Christ with one another. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Maybe you're here and God is speaking to your heart. And he's calling you to him or calling you back to him. Maybe you never had a relationship with him. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and catch my eye? I just want to pray with you where you are. Anybody here? There's no shame in that. Anybody here? Okay. Well, uh, maybe you're watching online and uh, that's you. I'd like for you to just pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness today, right now. And I thank you that all that old stuff is gone and washed away, that I'm washed clean. And I ask you to help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive others, help me to hear your Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, Lord, that you would give me sensitivity, that you would change my heart, that you would fill me with this love that, that Pastor Mark talked about today. Fill me with that love. I ask you to, to heal my broken heart, heal my wounds, Heal me of my issues. And I thank you that I can come to you today just as I am. And you openly and gladly receive me. You don't look at the mess that I've made or that I've been in. But all of that is gone. And you're looking at the bright future that I have. And allowing you to transform my life, to change my life, and put me on a new path. I receive you today, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for those of you that prayed that prayer. Lord God, I pray that you baptize them and fill them with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit. And you set them free from any addictive behaviors or anything like that, Lord God. And that as they read your word, your word comes alive. As they pray and as they spend time with you, their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit increases. And they hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts. And Lord God, that you, you reach into the, the recesses of all of our hearts, Lord God. And remove the things that 
shouldn't be there. Remove the things that are unpleasing to you. Remove the things that are harmful, Lord. And uh, Father, help us to yield, to totally yield to you and desire to become more mature. And we thank you for this. We pray this prayer with great expectation. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.